Hi, you are now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. Today you will hear a sermon from Pastor Dave Lee, so without further ado, here he is. I'm going to invite you to start looking now, if you like to actually turn in your Bibles, we'll also flash it up there, but I'm going to invite you now to start turning in your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 12, because that's not a book you probably turn to a lot, so you might need a little time finding it. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. You know, I was reading a book this week by Andy Stanley. I I actually finished the book in one sitting, which is not that impressive because it's this tiny little book. Uh, But it's about vision, and it's a book written for leaders about how to make vision stick for people. And I read something that really challenged me in the early part of this week. He wrote that if you're not clear with people about the problem you're trying to solve, then the solution you offer will not be met with a good response. In other words, you could talk about all these great things, but if people don't know why it's important, it will always fall on deaf ears. So last Sunday, you heard me preaching about a life of commitment to taking next steps. You're probably so sick of hearing the words next steps at this church, and maybe at some point you're wondering, what is all that about? And I realized in reflecting over it, that maybe we haven't made a compelling case for why taking next steps matters at all. And so today, I want to give at least one perspective on the problem we're trying to solve by challenging you to be committed to taking next steps in your life. Now, Wednesday night, I was having a really hard time sleeping, and that's not news in my life. But Wednesday, I was really bad. I mean, it was like 2.45 in the morning, and I was buzzed and wired. I was just laying there like this. And often when that happens, I go downstairs to my home office, I pray for a little while, most of the time, that gets me a little sleepy. Okay, How unspiritual can you get, right? I know most of you, you get really caffeinated when you pray, but when I pray in the middle of the night, it has this way of just kind of getting me into the, that heaven-like state. Well, that night it didn't work. And after praying for a while, I came upstairs. And often this is what I do when I can't sleep at all at night. I lay in the bed, and I just stare at Jeannie sleeping. It's kind of creepy, I know. It's just a little, little horror movie kind of stuff. But I just stare at her, and I reflect, and I think, and sometimes just staring at her and thinking about life and life together, I, I get some real profound convictions. And I was very moved because I was watching her that night, and I say a lot of things to her while she's sleeping. I, she was really surprised to find this out, but I have some wonderful conversations while she's unconscious. And I say and I whisper stuff into her ear, Wondering if somehow it's affecting her dreams or subconscious. But I was struck at thinking, wow, what a privilege it's been to share nearly half my life with her. I mean, half of my life, I've been connected to this woman. And I was so thankful. And then it struck me even more that I was watching her sleep and I said, oh my goodness. My young bride is going to turn 38 this year. 38. Now, for some of you, that's not really young you know, or, or old. And some of you, that's like ancient, right? I mean, you're, you're like 20 and you think 38 is like a million years away. I couldn't imagine the day when my spry, active, energetic wife would become 38. And then I realized, well, you know what? Statistically speaking, that's pretty much the halfway point. We're not quite over the hill, but we're sitting right on top of it, aren't we? And so I whispered into her ear with a strange amount of emotion. I don't know what was happening to me. But I just said, we're halfway done, honey. 
And so let's make the most of the second half. And my heart was really stirred by the thought that we don't have a whole lot left together. And I really don't want to waste it. And so, you know, James wasn't kidding around when he wrote in his epistle, in James chapter 4, verse 4. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. And he knew what he was talking about. Life just goes so fast. And then it's done. And that got me thinking about Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 1 through 7. And a very wise, ancient man's admonition to us, echoing over the centuries. To remember our Creator in the days of our youth. And that really, really impacted me this week. And I think contained in this powerful and rich passage is a very strong argument for why a life of commitment to taking your next steps every single day matters. Before we even read the passage, would you bow with me for a word of prayer? God, you know my heart for this church. How agitated I got this week imagining that any life in this congregation could end up being wasted on trivial things. I just pray, Lord God, that you would wake us up this morning, no matter where you find us today, emotionally and spiritually. I pray that you are pierced through all of that right now through the power of your proclaimed word. And wake us up in a deep place that we need to be awakened so that while we still have our youth, we will not waste it on foolish things. But we will give you the honor and the gift of the best years of our life, acknowledging and worshiping you. I pray that you will do this for your glory and our great benefit. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to read this passage with you, and you're going to find out right away, because I'm going to read out of the ESV. You're going to discover that there's some goofy language in here. I'll try to unpack some of it, but the language itself is not all that important to understand. Once I unpack it for you, you'll realize the thrust of it is in the whole thing taken together and not in dissecting the individual words in this passage. So if you guys have flashed it up, let's look at Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 1 through 7. <clears throat> Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near, of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain. In the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent and the grinders cease because they are few and those who look through the windows are dimmed and the doors on the street are shut, When the sound of the grinding is low and one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of song are brought low. They are afraid also of what is high and terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags itself along and desire fails because man is going to his eternal home and the mourners go about the streets before the silver cord is snapped or the golden bowl is broken or the pitcher shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern. And the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the Spirit returns to God who gave it. Now, if you're paying attention, you've got to be saying to yourself, what? What was all that junk about? I mean, 
grinders and songs, and it's, it's crazy language. But when I unpack it for you, it will make all the sense in the world. But before I even get to that weird poetic language, let's look at verse 1 again. Listen to what it says. Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth. Remember here is not spoken like recollecting or reminiscing about past events. It's about attending right now to something important, paying attention. You can turn that off for a sec. Have you guys ever been driving on the road for a long time, maybe even on your commute home that you've done every day? You could practically do it in your sleep, and sometimes you actually do. You know what I'm talking about? Have you ever been driving, and all of a sudden you wake up? That's a problem, isn't it? I mean, you ever do that? And you wonder to yourself, how have I managed to stay on the road up to this point? Because I literally can't remember the last 10 minutes of driving. Are you guys, is it just me or does that happen to you? You're allowed to go, uh-huh, you say something, show me you're with you. I mean, does that ever happen to you? It's crazy. And you, you wonder, how did I manage to drive when I don't remember driving? Well, you know what's going on there is that you know the route and you know the skill set of driving so hands down that literally your subconscious mind, you're not unconscious, you're doing it through your subconscious. So something clicking in the back of your brain is keeping you on the road, but the truth is your mind was genuinely somewhere else. And I think that dynamic has a lot to do with why we sometimes comment to ourselves, boy, time flies. That has a lot to do with the feelings I had looking at my wife Wednesday night. Or Thursday morning, as you could say, where I'm staring at her thinking, where has the time gone? And it's not that time is in any way traveling or passing faster than it used to. The truth is, what I'm saying is, I don't pay attention enough. And so the few times that I actually get quiet, I open my eyes and look at life, and I pay attention, I realize how long it's been since the last time I did that. That's really what we're talking about here, isn't it? We just coast through life, kind of turning up the music and living in a flaky way. And once in a while, something makes us stay up and take notice. And we, we, we pay attention. And suddenly we realize, look where I am and look where I'm going. For some, it's an encouragement. And for others, it's a night filled with terror and doubt, isn't it? What about you? Have you ever found yourself behind the wheel of life and you come to? You say, where the heck are we going? How do we get here? Is this just what happens when people stop trying? Stop paying attention? Do the, the thing that's easiest and take the path of least resistance and here we are. But we never really intended to get here. How do we manage to arrive in this place? And where is all the time gone? In between. You know, the truth is for every one of us, time is flying. You get past a certain age and you realize, I mean, would you raise your hand if you feel like that's true? Just time is flying fast. Look how many people are raising their hands in this room. Time is just flying away from us. Famous preacher Ray Stedman once said this. I thought it was hilarious. Just when your face clears up, your mind begins to go. And your knees start to buckle when your belt no longer will. <laughs> That's a pretty good comment. I mean, it just, it's funny how quickly you go from being young to being older to suddenly being old. 
Now, the the spirit of this message is not to disparage the elderly in any way. I'm actually looking forward to a day when I actually become wise and old. But Solomon, who is most likely the author of Ecclesiastes, at least 95% certain he's the one, he lived a pretty intense life. He actually got to do what most of us theorize we'd like to try as a grand experiment in life. And he came to some incredible and surprising conclusions about all of that. And he's the one who said, boy, at the end of it all, I realize what's most important is that while you're young, you really got to pay attention to God. Because when you get old, that's the wrong time to start thinking about what's serious and important in the world. Unfortunately, the way it happens for most people is that while they're young, they're too busy bobbing their heads to the music and not paying attention to anything of worth. And when you're too old and there's too little time and too little strength for anything left, you get serious and you wake up. And you're awake long enough to realize you overslept. You're late for work. Really what he's saying is while you still have your energy, while there's still a spring in your step, acknowledge the Lord your God now. Don't wait till later. Because later may not come, and later will most definitely be too late. This is the time right now to begin seriously acknowledging God in your life. Now, that's not to say there's no hope for those who are older. You know, I mean, it's not like I'm 40. I get a lot of start overs in my life either. And I know that I'm not the oldest person in this church. But most of you, I think the median age of our church is hovering somewhere around between like 28 to 32. That's still pretty young. And these words should not be falling on deaf ears in this congregation. Amen. Please hear what God is saying to you this morning. Because it's a matter of great urgency. And you know, you only need to tell people to remember something if they're prone to forget it. You know what I'm talking about? He's not saying, listen, old people, remember your creator in the days of your youth. Wouldn't that just be cruel to tell old people to remember what they should have thought about in their youth? He's talking to the young. He's saying, you young people are so prone to forget me. And so God says, remember me now when you're most tempted to forget. Remember me right now, because time flies, and you'll be old before you know it. Well, we move on now to that crazy poetic language to discover why it's so important to remember God while you're young. The writer of Ecclesiastes, from which point I will just kind of say Solomon, so I don't have to say the writer of Ecclesiastes. I could be wrong, it could be just some generic guy named Koholeth, that means great teacher, but just let me call him Solomon and you... I'll apologize in heaven if it's another dude. So Solomon enters into this very poetic and descriptive and, let's be honest, really depressing description of what old age is like. Now, this is in the days before Botox and all kinds of medicine and health clubs and and antioxidants and whatever we have today. And so people got old pretty, pretty early and it was difficult a lot of people went blind and deaf and things like that and so we may not share the fullness of the physical description but the the case can still be made that when you get very old stuff starts to break 
Very few in this room are there yet, but I'm already 40, and I realize 40 is not that old, but stuff, you know, like your mental frame of reference freezes at age 26, doesn't it? I still think I'm 26, and then I go play football, and my body is just kicking me, going, you are not 26 anymore. You're 40, and the stuff you think you can do, you just can't do it anymore. And that has become such a source of frustration for me. I see stuff, and I try to jump to get it, and it's so humiliating. I have to look for a younger guy and go, could you, could you like, uh, go and get that down? I hate that, and it's happening all the time. Well, listen to this description which Solomon gives us for what happens when you get old. We're talking like today in our, our modern language, we're talking like 80s, 90s old. You got me? 80s, 90s old. Listen to this. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened. You know what that's referring to? By the way, this is not my cute little interpretation according to Dave Lee. Oh, I have it on very good rabbinic authority. This is the way the early Jews understood all this language. It's talking about your mental faculties. It's talking about the fact that the quickness of your mind and the, and the accuracy of your memories really start to go as you get older. And I'm already experiencing that. I used to be a walking Wikipedia, man. I, I could recall facts like that. And now people go, who's that guy? And I, I can almost get it. And I feel myself going, what is going on? Ugh, and i got to clear the fog. And it's already starting to happen for me. The mind goes quickly. And then it says the clouds return after the rain. You know what that's talking about? It means the spring in your step, that optimism when you're young. Well, don't worry about it. There's always tomorrow. That doesn't come as quickly to you. There is a fading of optimism as you get older because you don't have a whole lot of restarts or reboots left in your system. And after all, when trouble comes, you don't rebound as quickly from all of that. And stuff starts to weigh on you more and more heavily. And then he moves on to describe some of the physical things that will happen. Look at the next verse. Look, there, there you go. In the day when the keepers of the house tremble. Do you know what that's talking about? The keepers of the house are your arms. And they start to shake. And you know when I discovered this truth? I went to the health club not that long ago. Well, okay, kind of long ago. And I tried to bench press a weight that used to be my repetition weight. It was the one I did, eight, you know, sets of eight, no problem. I put that on the bar, I'm like, I, I put it up, and as I was bringing it down, my arms started doing this, that's messed up. I was like, do I have some kind of disease? I'm just weak. I couldn't believe how weak. Do you, do you know what it looks like when your arms are like spaghetti? I just stopped because I was so embarrassed. I just gave up. And I decided I'm going to do that kind of exercise at home where only my wife already knows about that can see me. And then the strong men are bent. That's talking about your legs. You know that most of your physical strength comes from your legs? When you're lifting things, you lift a lot more when you do it with your legs rather than just with your waist and your hips, right? So you lift with those legs and the strong men that used to hold you up and propel you are failing you now. They're bent. The grinders, do I have to explain what those are? Choppers. They seize, why? You should look at my smile sometime. I'm missing like three molars right now. The grinders cease because they are few. Today we've got implants and bridges. Praise God for that stuff. If only you can afford it, it's a good deal. But as you get older, you can't eat a lot of peanut brittle anymore, can you? Sad. 
And those who look through the windows are dimmed. Class, what do you think that's talking about? Our eyes. Have you ever begun to experience that stuff you used to see clearly? It's, I get these panic attacks that stuff is getting darker. I'm like, is it just me? No, it's actually dark. But you know, you, you get to a certain age, you start worrying about stuff like that. I had a friend when I was working in the medical school. He told me that his dad was, was suffering from macular degeneration. And he described what that was and how he began to see a spot or a dark spot on his eye. And, and then I, I'm a hypochondriac. I started thinking I was seeing that thing. And you know how it goes. Your eyes are, are, are the window to the world. And if they start failing you, it's scary. Let's move on to the next verse. And the doors on the street are shut. And when the sound of grinding is low, you know what that's talking about is the fading of the ears. But I think there's a second meaning in that that's pretty clear too. You know, when you're young, it's really encouraging, if you've ever lived in the city especially, to have the windows open, and there's something about the background noise of the street and the world around you drifting in that's very reassuring, isn't it? There are few sounds I like more than the sound of the city drifting in through the windows. It's a beautiful and comforting sound because it makes you feel like you're not alone on this planet. It's scary when you're in the underground study carol at the U of I library, tucked away in a corner, and the rapture could come, a nuclear holocaust could happen, and you'd be the last to know. It's deathly silent, and you're underground all by yourself. And so once in a while, you just got to get up and walk outside just to remember there's a world around me. But as you get older, things start to happen, and your hearing fades, and you, you sink into a growing sense of disconnection with the hustling, bustling world all around you. Your kids start talking about programming this and programming that, and you have no idea what they're talking about. I watched my son trading Pokemon wirelessly on this handheld device with kids in Tokyo. He's like, oh good, I got a Japanese one. What are you doing? Just trading Pokemon with kids in Portugal and Japan. And I'm like, what? How do you do that? I'm already there. I, I can't understand the world that my kids are living in. And I'm kind of tech savvy, so I feel sorry for some of you, man. Your kids are going to run circles around you. You know what I'm talking about when you feel like you don't get it and you're slipping away from this world you were once a player in? Remember Jerry Seinfeld's dad? You remember him in the Seinfeld show and how he was such a mover and a shaker in business, but he was still so old school and he couldn't figure out why business could not be done the old-fashioned way with a handshake and you know all that. And it's so different now. And that's the way you start to feel. It's like you don't belong here anymore. You don't get how things work. That starts to happen. And then one rises up at the sound of a bird. This I'm already preparing for. I've been training all my life. Sleep just doesn't come real easy. And you wake up at the drop of a pin. And all the daughters of song are brought low. Music, which once was the soundtrack of your life, which all you had to do is put on headphones and jack up the, the iPod, and you're going. Do you know how music has the power to pump you up? There'll come a day when even music can't do it for you. And, and the music, figuratively speaking, is slowly starting to fade into your swan song. Let's see what's next. They are afraid also of what is high. So it's this fear of heights. But I think that's kind of uh, more indicative of when you get older, everything starts to frighten you. 
And terrors are in the way. I mean, my grandmother, she was always worrying about everything. I, I would tell her, I'm driving back to campus. Oh my gosh, don't drive right now. It's like past 6 p.m. It's going to get dark and all that. And I'm like, Grandma, please, don't be so scared. But I began to understand why. Because she realized the world really is dangerous. When you're young, you're too stupid to realize what a dangerous place we're living in. How many bad things can happen? How much you have to lose? And as you get older and wiser, you realize there's so much to lose. And everything's scary. The almond tree is a tree in in Palestine that actually flowers in late winter. And then around spring, it's white. And it's talking about our hair that goes gray. If there's any left, it goes gray. And listen to this one. The grasshopper drags itself along. Have you ever tried walking somewhere with 80 or 90-year-old people? It takes a really long time. You're trying to walk slow, but they're still behind you. Because it's, it's like, and I'm not making fun. I'm just saying, you know, when you get that old, you can't, you know, the grasshopper. Have you ever seen a grasshopper or pull off its legs when you're a cruel little kid? And you see how fat, it's like a drumstick, man. That grasshopper just pushes off. But even the grasshopper, which wants just, it's just dragging that leg. Oh, Lord, man, this is hard. And that's what's going to happen one day to you. You're going to want to move places, but you won't be able to. You'll drag yourself everywhere. And this one, this is the one that gets a lot of people. And desire fails. You know what we're talking about there. (laughs) Bedroom eyes are no longer the bedroom eyes. That's about all I need to say about that. This is not an encouraging picture. No one's going to hire Solomon to do PR for the AARP. This is not a glorious picture of aging he's giving us. And why the depressing journey into aging and ultimately to death? You know, if you go to the last verse there, or verse 6. Can we go to verse Do you see that? When the silver cord is snapped or the golden bowl is broken. People try to compare that to anatomy. Like that's the spinal cord, the medulla oblongata, whatever. Do you know what I think that is? It's poetic language for death. This beautiful golden bowl in a lamp suspended from the ceiling by a silver cord. And it gets snapped and the lamp shatters. What a picture of death. If you're making a short film about death, what a great way to capture how it fades for people. It gets snapped, the thing shatters, the light goes out. Or the picture of a pitcher at a well that used to draw up fresh, cool water, and it's shattered now and nothing but shards. And even the wheel uh, on the cistern, the well that's used to lower the bucket, is broken. You, You want to dip down, but there's no more ability to get that refreshment. It's done now. It's finished. That's a pretty sobering picture. Why is Solomon trying to get us depressed? Because he's painting a picture of what happens to every person who is fortunate and blessed enough to live to old age. That old age is a time when everything you took for granted begins to fail and fade. And it is the wrong time to wake up to God. You can still be saved by grace. But you will live with something so powerful and we call it regret. The 2020 hindsight of knowing what life was worth and knowing you missed the chance to live that out. 
And with all your heart, I saw my grandfather get saved in his 70s, and I watched him read the Bible 10 times in one year, trying to get a lifetime's worth of wasted years squeezed in, and I was so blessed, and he did it, and he died gloriously close to Jesus Christ. But he is the exception rather than the rule. Do you know, statistically speaking, that 95% of all Christians come to Christ before the age of 50? So yes, five out of a hundred on their deathbed will accept the Lord, but that is not something to be counted on even statistically. In fact, the vast majority of those who come to the Lord do so before the age of 30, and by some counts, 75% of Americans come to Christ before the age of 18. That's why youth ministry is so important. What we're trying to say through those statistics is the observation that the older you get, the harder it is to change your outlook on life. The harder it is to really become different. By a certain age, you're pretty much what you're going to be. And an act of God can change that, but you're really gambling if you wait for that to get serious about things. Are you with me so far? Old age is not the time to wake up to God. This is the time to hear the voice of God amongst all the other seductive voices in your world and acknowledge Him while you still have something left. You know, one thing that the elderly can boast over the young is wisdom. They may not jump higher, run faster, swim further, but one thing they have on the young is wisdom. But that's not unconditional. There's nothing about gray hair that confers wisdom to anybody. They can have wisdom when everything else has faded. Wisdom can grow, but only if, while they are still young, they set off on the path that leads to wisdom. And if they do not do that, then young fools grow up to become old fools, don't they? Have any of you met any old fools? And I don't say that disrespectfully, but I've sat with some people who are old and I can't believe they've managed to stay alive this long the way they think about the world. Such foolishness coming out of their mouths about what's valuable. They try to give me advice like, Sonny, be with as many girls as you can because when you're old, things break down. I'm like, are you serious, Grandpa? I mean, not my grandpa. But I'm looking like, you can't be serious. This is the best you got to give to a young man is bed as many women as you can while the equipment's working. You know, that's the silliest example, but I've heard others that are even more dangerous than that. And what I realize is getting old doesn't make you smart. When you're young, you must set off on a path that leads to wisdom or you will be a young fool who will grow up to be an old fool. Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You know what the fear of the Lord is? It's the exact same thing as the remembrance of the Lord. It is acknowledging God in your life as the authority over everything in your life. It is knowing that God is God and apart from Him, you are hopeless. And you are headed for a direction that is filled with doom and despair. In other words, in our context this morning, if you do not acknowledge God, you will be that old young fool who grows into the old fool, and nothing will ever change for you. When everything else has faded, the crown of the elderly is their wisdom, and you begin that right now by the way you make your choices and order your life. I'm not yelling at you. I mean, 
It's not me being angry. It's me being urgent because I prize this congregation more than just about anything in my life. And I pray for you guys. And the one heart that I have is, gosh, I don't want a single person in this church to waste the prime of their life. And by and large, all of us are in, that, in those years where we still have something great to give and a future that can be invested for something worthwhile. And there is only one person worthy of that highest level of investment. He is the Lord Jesus Christ who laid everything down to purchase your life for a great cost. And he has an amazing plan for your life. And if in your youth you will acknowledge him, you will end up in a really, really great place in your old age. You know, I look back at the first word here, remember, and I see what an imperative voice or tense that word is in. The imperative voice is really this. It's a voice of command. It's a strong word of authority. This is not a suggestion like a lonely, vulnerable God going, oh, just remember me the way you say to a girl you have a crush on. Just think about me, please. You know, that's not God begging us. He's saying, hey, you better wake up and acknowledge me because your life is in me. Apart from me, your life will amount to a really sad and meaningless story. With me, now, you will build something that was worth it. Acknowledge me while you're young. He is commanding it because our lives are to be found in that command. You know, I've told a lot of stories from this pulpit about my years spent as a volunteer in a geriatric ward at Condell Memorial Hospital up in Libertyville. That's the town where I grew up. I tell a lot of stories because that experience was one of the most formative experiences in my young life. It did a number on me. To be 16 years old and to spend hours upon hours with 80 and 90-year-old people who are at the edge of death. And they look into your eyes and they tell you stories, man. I mean, they, they gave me such an education on what life's about. And I, t- I share a lot of those stories because it profoundly impacted the way I thought about my future when I was still very young. And the common denominator I saw running through everything they were saying, at least 90%, and that's not scientific, but I feel like, 90% of them said the same thing. Here's what they said. And, and this is not with like, this is with almost bewilderment in their face. I can't believe it's over. It went so fast. Am I really in this hospital room? Is this a dream? Can I really be here at the end of it all? And then, and then they began to shake a lot of them because what was happening was regret was surfacing. It's a powerful thing for a young man to watch regret cause an old woman or an old man to shake physically. What they're not saying is that time moved quickly and they're not lamenting the passing of years. What they're lamenting is that the years have passed and now they realize with clarity how little they did with the years that they were given. They're not saying life went quickly. They're saying, I wasted the life that went so quickly. And now here I am. And I see it all, but there's nothing to do about it. I mean, how many of you, if you could do it over again, not the social part, right? That's painful. But the academic part, how many of you would not love to get a shot at high school knowing what you know now? We'd all end up in Harvard. I mean, I, I would crush that thing, man. I would love to go back to high school right now. 
Do you understand that feeling of wishing you had done a few things differently? Some of you guys are like, yeah, I did it right the first time, you losers. You know, <laughs> I get it. That's great. I, I'm proud of you. But most of us, we've got a lot of regrets already. And it's a painful thing to live with when you know what you shoulda and coulda and woulda, but you didn't. And now the time has passed. That chapter got closed. The door is shut. What can you do other than have remorse? And do you realize how much pain that produces in people's lives? That's why we preach. To awaken people so that they can do things today so as not to store up a room filled with regrets for their old years. Just out of morbid curiosity, I logged on the other day to deathclock.com. Any of you ever been there? This is a bad website. You go there, you enter your gender, your age, a few habits, your base metabolic rate or something like that. And then it tells you, based on statistic projections, on what day you will die and how many seconds you have left. And then it's a rolling countdown. It's so depressing. I don't know why I went to it, but I did. And so let me tell you that I'm projected to die... On August 10th, 2041. There was a time when that year sounded like science fiction stuff to me. We'll be all flying in jetpacks to work and all that. But I realized that's just over 12,250 days. That's 33 years. It means I am over the hill <laughs> by seven years. Statistically speaking, I've got fewer years ahead of me than behind me. Now listen, I'm not an idiot. I know that the Lord God and not a stupid website numbers my days. And they could be a whole lot fewer than 33 years. I'm humble enough to admit that as well. But it was a sobering reminder that every last one of us in this room has a finite number of steps assigned to us. And every second that that clock ticks, you're taking a step somewhere... The question is not whether you're taking next steps or not. The real question is whether you're choosing those steps or just letting them happen. The real question is not will you end up somewhere, but where will it be? And do you have anything to say about that? Even more so, does the Lord God have anything to say about your destination? Are you choosing your steps or are they choosing you? You know, there's a running joke about Denny's. That it's not the restaurant you plan to go to, it's the one you invariably end up at, right? That's so true. Who goes, hey, let's get dressed up and go to Denny's? Only cheap pastors who are trying to save money on counseling appointments go to Denny's on purpose. The rest of us just end up there, don't we? And do you know what, what would be the most sad epitaph put on your headstone? Here lies Dave. His life at the end was kind of like Denny's. He didn't plan on being here, but this is where he ended up. Some of you, there are good people around you praying and speaking, and your heart is so stubborn, you're resisting everything. On the surface, you act as if you're listening, but your heart is so rigid and so stubborn that you are on track to die stubborn and old and lost. And everything that's busted about your life right now is not going to change. And every single day that you do not choose a better step, another direction, you are hardening the cement 
on a life that you will end up in and not a life that the Lord has chosen for you. And that drives me absolutely crazy because I care about you. And there are times when I'm with some of you talking and I know, I feel it. Everything that's being said is falling on deaf ears. You're nodding, you're smiling, you're even laughing. But you're not going to choose to do anything differently the next day. And if that's your story, I guarantee you that you would be more appropriately buried in the back lot behind a Denny's than in a cemetery. You will end up somewhere you don't plan to be. God has a plan for your life, but there's no money back guarantee you'll get that plan. You can acknowledge him now and walk toward it. Or you can ignore it and end up somewhere else altogether unpleasant. The choice, believe it or not, is given to us. What a gift from God that we have the freedom to choose that. Are you willing to obey the Lord and acknowledge him today? Or will you end up somewhere? This is why next steps are so important. There are times when we meet as groups, aren't there? Where we sit around and confess, oh yes, today, the other day I blew up at my son. I struck him in anger. Oh, my husband, my wife, blah, blah, blah. My boss at work, I'm going to strangle him one of these days. And I know that's wrong. And yeah, I just wanted to share that with all of y'all. And we, we confess, we pour out our hearts, and then we go home. As if there's some great value in spilling our guts and owning our dysfunction. And the Lord says, no, 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 no. Admitting that you're flawed doesn't fix the flaws. But repenting of your sin, standing before a holy God and saying, Lord, I will obey you in even one small way so that I will not have to say this again tomorrow. I'm not okay with the way I am or the place that I am, but you have given me the authority and the power and the ability to obey you so that today I could take one step in the right direction and move away from this brokenness that I hate. And if I don't make that choice, I promise you I will be here tomorrow in the same sad rerun of a life, watching it over and over and knowing exactly how it ends. You know, counseling is not about giving new information. It's often just about reminding people that God has opened a door for us that we have refused to take. And if we will just walk through that door, we will find our lives. Amen? I read somewhere this quote, and I want to kind of wrap things up with this. It's better to add life to your years than to add years to your life. Isn't that great? It's better to add life to your years than years to your life. All of us have the present. Not all of us will have our old age. Some of us will be called home even before that. What you choose in the very next 10 minutes of your life might make all the difference in the world for you. And every last one of us, including me, we've got a next step that the Lord is beckoning us to take. My question to you this morning is, will you choose that next step? Or will your next step simply choose you? Amen? Bow our heads together. Let's pray. You know, this man Solomon, 
He actually did everything we fantasize about. We sit around late night at restaurants wondering, what would it be like if you could have all the money in the world, have all the power in the world, have all the women, the concubines, the wives, the armies? And Solomon actually did all that. What a startling conclusion. That at the end of everything, what he says with all his heart is, man, young guys, young gals, if I learned anything in this crazy life I've lived, it is simply this. When you're young, that's the time to acknowledge God. I don't know what else you think your heart is being pulled towards, but everything that pulls you will be an illusion that will disappoint. Only Jesus will call you to a life that will not fail to satisfy. It's a scary thought to think that if you don't choose your next steps, with every ticking of the clock, you're still taking a step somewhere. And so the big question is, will you be who God is making you into? Or will you just end up as something? The product of a thousand shallow voices? Or the loving, well-formed creation of a God who laid down his life for you? I'm going to be quiet for a while and I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to think about the way that you've lived until now and then listen quietly to see if the Lord is causing one strong thing to rise to the surface. A call to walk in a different way, to take another step in a different direction. And instead of talking at God, spend a little time really listening. I think there are some things He's been waiting to say while your heart is in this state right now. Soft. Listening. So let's listen for him. Let's do that. You know those long conveyors at O'Hare where you just, they're moving sidewalks and you just stand on them and they bring you along? Every time I walk on those at the airport, I feel like that's life for most people. And I think we need to make a choice. Instead of just being carried by the currents of a world that is Christless, to walk intentionally in obedience with a God who loves us and has a plan for us. I've stopped walking on those conveyors and started just walking on my own feet as a symbolic gesture that this is what we're called to do. 
Let's let that be our prayer right now. Let's just say to God, if you follow Jesus Christ, that you will decide at this moment to stop being carried along by the whims and fickleness of your heart or the voices of the world, but you will walk towards God and acknowledge Him now. Let's pray that right now. Can we do that? God, we just come before you humbled and awakened by your word. And we pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit and the authority of your word, next steps will not become an empty slogan at our church, but it would begin to explain the way that we as a congregation live our whole lives. No longer content to stand on a moving sidewalk, letting something else take us somewhere we don't want to go. But Lord, we will walk in acknowledgement of you, especially while we have years ahead of us to do that. Whatever youth we have left, we offer you as a gift. An offering to honor the God who gave us hope for those remaining years. And we pray as we do it, that we will end up where you want us and not just end up somewhere. I pray this for every precious person who is in this room or hearing these words. God, be faithful to your people and pour your spirit and power out upon us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.